It's been so long, I don't even know what updates there are. There's too many. The world's still falling apart. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels heavy emotionally pretty much at all times for everyone, I think. but it's also been good, at least for me personally, things have also been great. I've been painting a lot of murals and it's been really fun and felt like a lot of community for the most part. Just like good to get to know people mm-hmm. and be out there supporting other people making art too. Uh, no justice for Brianna Taylor, so that yep. fucking sucks. Fuck everyone. The only sentencing that was done was for the bullets that didn't hit her should enrage the world and the fact that some people are not bothered by it makes me sick to my stomach the reason those people aren't bothered by it is because they'll never have to deal with that Mm -hmm. and that's bullshit did you listen to that like three or four episode podcast on the police no i don't think so so what is it plug it oh okay so it was it's not pod save the people but they they like shared someone else's (sighs) Yeah, yeah whatever sorry my brain untold story the untold story policing anyway it just talks about um how it's set up and i how the police unions basically ruin everything and the police unions are the reason that the city is kind of caught in dealing with what happens with police in a certain way and all that kind of stuff and it was really interesting and it's just like four episodes or something really really smart people who have studied policing for a long time talk on there so and then the science of like you know like police um statistics and stuff yeah so okay i will add that to my list what's it called the untold story policing i will listen to that i also so on my side go watch kiss the ground on netflix and then last night we also watched the social dilemma which was really good too Ooh. okay and then I, like um, I had already planned on this before, but that was my final nudge to officially delete my Facebook account. Nice. Yeah. But I still have Instagram, so it's not <laughs> a big leap, but still. I thought you were just deleting it because it sucks. That too. I was watching the newest episode of Lovecraft Country last night, which is so, if you haven't watched it. Dude, I have so many on my list. I have so many things to watch. It's so. And no time to watch them. So (laughs) good. It's the most interesting overlap of real history in the 50s and fantasy horror. Dude, people are still creative. I love it. That's what I love about shows now. Like shows are taking over and movies are Mm -hmm. less of a thing because movies just went to fucking Marvel shit and forever and ever and just like redos of redos of redos and like no one wanted to take chances on things anymore on real fun like creative ideas they're interesting but shows are like screw you we're doing that speaking of major shout out to Shit's creek dude oh everything. my god i'm so happy they're for incredible them. they're incredible um welcome <laughs> to middle brown Little brown cast. This is my best friend, Lindsay Schultz. And who was just speaking words is my best friend, Olive Moya. I speak words sometimes. Mm-hmm. This is our podcast that we have been neglecting. It's been it's been really long, but it's called Middle Brow. You know us. It's a mostly contemporary art podcast hosted by us, 
and we are completely average human artists. We talk about art. We try to be interesting. It's for artists, Mm -hmm. but it's also for people who would like to know about art, but might be intimidated. We're for everyone. If you would do us a quick fave, rate us, review us. And go look at our Instagram to follow along what we're talking about. Enjoy the episode on Injideka Akunili Crosby. I had to add because this the top photo is so beautiful but I picture her like when I interact with her she's so much more like the second photo where she's so smiley and like Aww. laughs a ton so I went to- yeah I I was so glad to see those two photos kind of so I saw the first one I was like damn she's intimidating <laughs> I can't believe can't believe Lindsay worked with her blah 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 then I saw the second one I was like oh my gosh she's so cute and then I <laughs> I understood. I really want everyone to go listen to a video of her talking about her work because the way she speaks about it is so perfect. She's so effortlessly intelligent and speaks about it in such a lighthearted way, especially when she's talking about her photo albums. Like it's the way in which she speaks about it. And then she's just like laughing and making these funny jokes to herself. Like she's just a very playful person if anyone just said what you said about her (laughs) about me i would be like marry me i'm in love with you she sounds charming she's very charming okay well let's get into it um okay okay okay, who we're talking about as you know since you clicked on the button is injadeka akunili crosby why i wanted to specifically do her other than she's just the best is when i was at the whitney her work was there and i saw this group of older people crowded around trying to imagine what the work was about and like they were just mm-hmm. speculating and talking and i so badly wanted to like walk up to them and be like it's Why about this you? um because i'm shy i don't know oh my god they would have so enjoyed i have no issues talking to older people they would have loved you for telling them so i was like oh We should totally do an episode that breaks her work down in her process because Mm -hmm. people need to know. And send it to the send it to the Whitney to play. Right. (laughs) Imagine they play us. (laughs) If people her work is up, what a (laughs) They just walk away like I can't. And Jadeka's like, why did you decide on these? But what the Um and then also she's married to my friend Justin, so she was around our class and everything when I was going through CalArts. So I got to know her through there. And then when she needed help to get stuff done for certain shows, I came in a couple times and helped in the studio. So is she the one you mixed paint for? Yeah. (laughs) Terrifying. Stressful. That is so stressful. I have on here describing this. She's a (laughs) paint mixer master or something. She's so good. (laughs) And I'm not a painter. I don't know anything really about mixing paint beyond like first grade. She'd be like, first grade? I'm just exaggerating. You, oh. you should know something about that. <laughs> I was like, tempera paint. You're like, <laughs> those paints that are really smelly. Oh, God. Yeah. You know? yep. Like in those big like Crayola yeah. cartons. <laughs> yeah. um, no, of course okay. we had to do paint yeah. mixing yes, in yes, yes, at yes, Otis. Yes. But I didn't do anything 
basically beyond that. So when she like points at a color on a laptop screen and she's like, can you make this color? I can sure try. <laughs> I can definitely try. So then I'd be casually like, so like, what what colors do you want me to start out with? Like in front of her paint wall. And she's like, yeah. so I'd probably like start off with this is the base, add this. If it's a little too this, add this color. And she like lay out seven different paints for me. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then we just start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. Cool. Great. Um, You end up with like a bucket of paint at the end. You're like, so is this right? <laughs> All of her paint's gone. <laughs> <laughs> does she use oils no i mean you're gonna answer all the questions yeah. right now okay all right acrylic paint acrylic. on paper um okay i just want you guys to go in knowing that she is the coolest person based on just this picture <laughs> okay oh i just love a good pattern on pattern on pattern clearly she's good at that <laughs> yep. yep based on her work yeah <laughs> she's like pattern on everything Okay. I can't describe how much it's going to sound like I have such a crush on her. You do, though. So I'm actually jealous right now. I'm super. I'm like, do you want to divorce me or? <laughs> By the end, because I'm really jealous. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? I'm taking this off. It's not even, it's not even yours. It's mine. Just throw the <laughs> ring at the laptop. And George right. would be happy about that. Yeah, he would. He'd, He'd be concerned that I'm going from you to Injadeka, though. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought he'd be concerned that he what was a about back me. That he was just a um what's it called? A backboard? A back a board back rebound? Rebound <laughs> <laughs> I mean still within the basketball. I like you still got it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you still got that. I'm like a backboard? He's Off my back backboard. a layup? Is it a goalie? He's my free throw. <laughs> but Him? he's really good, so he's more like my three pointer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So, Injureka was born in 1983 and raised. What? In- hmm. She's so young. Oh yeah. Now I'm upset even more. I'm just gonna let you know. This is another one you Fuck. cannot compare yourself Fuck to. Fuck my life. I'm I was so doing research already. and I walked into George's room, being like, "I am nothing. My life is meaningless." Don't don't compare. I don't like this. Can you just change that <laughs> age? And I will feel better. Okay, Injadek was born in 1928. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she looks really good for her age. 1,003. <laughs> 1,000. So good at math. <laughs> it's literally 100, oh right? Oh, my 20. God. Yeah, yep. okay. All right. <clears throat> so she was born in 1983 and raised in... You did it on the next I one. Know. I know. Inugu, Nigeria. She was part of the Igbo descent. Yeah, it's a good thing you looked that mm-hmm. up. So she is of Igbo descent, the fourth of six siblings, and her father was a surgeon, and her mother was a professor of pharmacology at the University of Nigeria. All right, damn. No wonder she's brilliant. Yeah, I was, that was my thought. She moved to Lagos when she was 10 years old to attend the secondary school Queen's College in Yaba. 
Her mother won the green card lottery for the family, which allowed Injadek and her siblings to study abroad. And then in 1999, at the age of 16, Injadeka left home with her sister and moved to the U.S. She spent a gap year studying for her SATs, taking American history classes before returning to Nigeria to serve a year of national service, which I should have looked up. (laughs) We don't know what national service is. Mm. It's service for the nation. Corps members are posted to states other than their state of origin where they are expected to mix with people from different ethnic groups, social and family backgrounds, and learn the culture of the indigenous in the location they are posted to. This action is aimed at bringing about unity in the country and help the youth appreciate other ethnic groups. Wow, we don't do that here. Nobody cares about anyone here. We should spend a year uh, learning Native American things. Oh, could you imagine? We'd be such a better place way better native americans taught us everything and then we just killed them all a lot of climate oh i didn't know i was watching kiss the ground do you know the american 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 military (laughs) (laughs) Uh no killed most of the bison in the united states to try to starve native americans so there's like oh videos God. of huge piles of dead bison. I've seen those photos. I just didn't know why. Yeah, to try to starve and weaken Native Americans. Motherfuckers, dude. Honestly. And they literally taught them everything. Mm-hmm. Like, like gave up their knowledge of how to survive off certain things yep. and what were good things to eat and how to stay warm and how to like live off the land. And all those people learned all that shit from the Native Americans and then they just killed them yeah. all. It's like the climate scientists are saying that it's more important than ever to actually turn to the indigenous people to learn how to take care of the land again. And they're saying put these people in charge of this crisis because there's the one they are the ones who are going to get us out of this problem too bad there's none of them left and the ones that are left don't know anything because we tried to keep all their culture Mm -hmm. shit from them or like don't want to work with us because yeah or like or like hmm should we trust this person Mm -hmm. absolutely fucking not (sighs) um anyways yeah cool um okay so after she completed her one year (laughs) service um (laughs) Of the nation. Of the nation, mm-hmm. where she served the nation. She returned to the U.S. to study in Philadelphia. She took her first oil painting class at the Community College of Philadelphia, where her teacher, Jeff Reed, encouraged her to apply to... Swarthmore. Swar- I, my mouth cannot make that. <laughs> Swarth- Swarthmore. Is Dana going to help us with this episode? I really Swarthmore hope so. Swarthmore College. Dana, help. Swarth... Help. Swarth- <laughs> We're just going to put Dana's voice in, so stop okay. trying. <laughs> I feel like a glitching CD. Swart, 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 swart. So her art teacher advised her to look into a college with an art program, something she never considered because she was studying medicine, because medicine was a sole profession esteemed by her family. Only when she did not get accepted, early decision to Johns Hopkins, did she expand her search. And when she was at Swarthmore, she studied biology and art, and she met Justin, her future husband, whom she painted during one of the first times they hung out. Ooh, Ooh. paint me like one of your French girls or what? Damn, I'm all about that. (laughs) It's just Justin being like, paint me like (laughs) She's like, I just started oil painting, so I'm not really as good as 
What's his Leo? Leonardo <laughs> Or Da Vinci. It's like when you go to JC and everyone's doing life drawing and it's super awkward proportions. It's and then good. you just decide to make that your entire practice for a while <laughs> because you don't really. <laughs> uh, so she was still on the fence about an art career saying, I felt so guilty because so many people want to leave Nigeria and here I had the chance to go to a good school and do something. She returned home for a year in 2004, partly to clarify her decision to pursue art and to slowly break it to her parents, (laughs) as well as that she was in a serious relationship with a white American man, saying, Mm. that's why I feel like my art and Justin are so linked, she said, because it was all or nothing. You rebel or you don't. Her mother, Dora. She just walks into her parents' house with a naked... oil painting she did of justin she's like look i love painting and i'm gonna paint him naked all the time (laughs) (laughs) accept me or don't justin's like no no don't do this (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) my arms are way too long in that anyways it looks weird Wait, can I have a picture of Justin? I need to picture him. <laughs> Not naked, just a regular one. <laughs> oh, let me pull out my naked pictures of Justin. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad I don't know these people so that I can be weird. <laughs> Otherwise, I would not be this weird. So weird. Oh, my God. There's right below is a picture of Justin in Jadeka and Mark Bradford. Aw. Damn, she's so cool. There you go. Or just Google Injadeka and Justin. Oh, should I? I wish someone <laughs> could just Google Olive and Danny. And literally, it's just their names, yep. nothing else. Mm-hmm. And it just came straight up. Yep. Imagine how famous you have to be and how original your name has to be. Oh, <laughs> they're so cute. Mm-hmm. This makes this all funnier because he just seems like such a, just like a sweetie. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> weird what we're talking about. <laughs> Dora took the news in strides, having then moved to Lagos to work as head of the National Agency for Food and Drug Administration and Control, where she was battling the crime cartels profiting off the kind of fake medicine that had killed her diabetic sister. (gasps) Whoa. Damn. So I would come at I would come at them with a vengeance too. If you killed my sister. So, Injadeka was visiting for Christmas the day an assassination attempt was made on her mother. What? Oh, my God. En route from a family reunion in the village, Injadeka and several of her siblings were traveling in a car behind their mothers when they heard no. shots ring out. She said, the back window of my mom's car was all gone and there was a bullet hole in the front. That's when we realized what had happened. My mom kept saying her head was burning and she didn't know why. When she finally took off her headscarf, we saw the bullet had left a burn mark on her scalp. It's happening and you can't believe this is your life. Despite her family's entreaties to her to quit, her mother, who died in 2014 of cancer, stayed on the job, eventually becoming a national hero and the Nigerian Minister of Information and Communications. I'm literally tearing up right now. (laughs) So proud of her. The family's fortunes rose as a result what a badass i hope in later years they win the real lottery that'd be a fun twist basically injadeka has well she did yeah (laughs) Um, except she worked for it yeah 
she worked doing something that she loved with so, the person yeah, she that did. she loves. So, ah, oh, she's the she's the dream. She graduated Swarthmore College <laughs> in 2004, where she studied art and biology as a Mellon Mays undergraduate fellow. She was getting pre-medical requirements to pursue a career in medicine before deciding to pursue art full time. She didn't decide this until her senior year, um, where she realized that she enjoyed her art classes more than her organic chemistry and advanced biology classes. Which no, those sound terrible. Yeah, I mean, I like biology. I didn't study not that much though. No. So after graduating. She studied at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. This is where she earned a post-baccalaureate. Whoa. Baccalaureate? Baccalaureate. No, I don't know if that was (laughs) kind of a joke. A post-baccalaureate. Certificate in 2006. She later attended the Yale University School of Art, where she received her MFA. Do you know I almost went to Yale? Really? Well, I almost applied to Yale. Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant you got in and then you had a choice to either go there or not. No. I'm like, damn, you're you're dumb. <laughs> Imagine what I could have been. Just kidding. Imagine. Um, damn, Yale, you were second on Lindsay's mind. <laughs> you were not the first. Get out of here with your Yale. Mm, too snowy there. You know how I had our apartment in LA at 80 degrees. I hated it every second of it. I had to like close my bedroom door and open the window for it to cool off. I still remember you walking in and you like drop your bags and you're like, what temperature is it? And you're like on the couch in, in a, a blanket. blanket. Like, just Gross. a cool 80 With degrees. blood on the floor. <laughs> this is why you created your ice woman and fire girl. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could find that. Oh, I'm so sad. Do you remember we brought an audio recorder with us everywhere to record our conversation? Did we really? A real audio recorder? A tape recorder? Yeah. I have the tape still. You do? <laughs> you have to play those I'm for so me. embarrassed to listen to them. Me too. It's like looking at your diary and you're just oh, writing God. three pages mm-hmm. about some guy you saw on the street real quick. <laughs> <laughs> he was so beautiful. He looked at me a certain way. I just feel like we had a connection and... Maybe I'll see him next time I go to get Starbucks. Who knows? Aww. And then he's homeless. Then you find out he's homeless. <laughs> then the next <laughs> diary entry he is like, at Starbucks so he's again. homeless. With a dad. Star- he's a- <laughs> he must really he love Starbucks. <laughs> I still don't get that he's homeless. <laughs> he's asking for money. And I'm like, I think he maybe runs a charity or something. I'm not sure. He wants me to buy I really did make I lots of friends with homeless people. Do you? I just I did. I used to. She got her MFA from Yale. Yale was her first choice, not her second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then Injadeka married Justin Crosby mm. in 2009, who's also an artist, like I said. <clears throat> he went to CalArts. CalArts was his first choice. And they have a son named Jadora, who was born in 2016. Oh, that's a really cute name. Mm-hmm. Injadeka's breakthrough as an artist came after she returned to the states and pursued her mfa at yale while there she discovered the work of artist carrie james marshall who oh, i can't wait to do an episode on him I too no oh my god i love you're it. gonna you're gonna do him right yeah i'm so if excited you let me 
I guess I am. Of course. Whose depictions of black identity and intimacy using the language of Western painting, quote, blew my mind. I don't mm-hmm. think any work has had an effect on me like that. He was putting images in a space where you don't expect to see them. And I'm thinking, what am I looking at? It's this woman who is unapologetically black. Black, black, black. Not even a darkish brown aubergine. Aubergine? Sure. <laughs> she had... <laughs> I don't know why you always ask me. I don't say Sometimes things Sometimes right. you, you know more words than me. <laughs> if I knew, I would just shout out. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not a raise your hand type of no. person. I would just say... Aubergine! <laughs> no, it's aubergine! <laughs> She had developed the technical side at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts, but now she saw that she could make her own rules. So Mm. at that point, she was making paintings and drawings, but hadn't found a way to incorporate the Nigerian imagery that had covered her studio floor. And several of her professors had advised that she might want to pay more attention to them because they seemed to pull at her. It was work by the Kenyan-born New York artist Wang. Wangechi Mutu that helped her see an image could be composed of many others. During her residency at the Studio Museum, Injadeka ran after Mutu on the street one day and invited her to her studio to visit. And Mutu said, many artists tend to work out a lot of their angst and pain in their work, but what struck me is that her narratives are quite romantic. There's a tenderness that comes from many things, from being resolved about your decisions, being at one with what you're letting the world see about yourself. I found that quite different. Obviously, after she graduated Yale in 2011, Njereka was selected as an artist in residence at the highly regarded Studio Museum in Harlem, known for promoting and supporting emerging African artists like Kahinda Wiley, E.J. Hill, Bethany Collins, and Sable Elise Smith. It was here she met her mentor, which was Mutu. She spent her year there experimenting with drawing, figure painting, studying contemporary art, post-colonial history, and diasporic studies. What is diasporic? Diasporic is, it was, right, it was like the, the disbursement of Jews, I think. The dispersion of Jews oh. outside of Israel from the 6th sixth century when they were oh. exiled to Babylonia until the present time. In 2015, Jamila James, a former Studio Museum in Harlem curator at the and at the time assistant curator at the Hammer Museum in LA, organized Indereka's first solo exhibition at the Hammer. That same year, James organized another exhibition of Indereka's work at Art and Practice in LA. Shout out to Ooh. Mark Bradford. Mark just probably wants to be her best friend, too. Damn, imagine you're cool enough that Mark wants to be your best friend. (laughs) Ugh, just so many amazing people (laughs) that I'm not associated (laughs) with. Can we just Photoshop ourselves in that picture with them? I'm gonna I'm gonna do that for one of the, I'm gonna do that for one of the photos. (laughs) Just like really poorly Photoshop us in. Can you be next to Mark? You'd be like going up to his knee. Oh my god, yeah. I need to do it to scale for sure. Like yep. it needs to make sense. <laughs> oh man. It's like everyone, including Lindsay and then me, <laughs> all the way down here. I have to like expand the picture into black space at the bottom. <laughs> That'll be fun. Okay, so her work. She said 
I think of myself as a woman, an Igbo woman, a Nigerian, an African, a person of color, an artist, and the fascinating thing is that the layers I add to how I identify myself changes over time, just keeps broadening as I move farther out into the world. So Injadeka's collage paintings on paper, with their cinematic depictions of domestic interiors, lovers, and private social gatherings, tell complex narratives about dislocation and transcultural daily life. Her subjects include herself and her family and friends. Mostly it's of her and Justin, really. Um, I guess that's not true. They're just in a lot of it. Um... And other imagery includes family portraits, her own snapshots, Nollywood films, which I didn't even know that was a thing. I I was just going to say that. Yeah, Nollywood. It's Nigerian. Nigerian. Yep. Um, But she said the interesting things about Nollywood films is that they don't have genres like they do here in the States. Yeah, why do... It's funny how so many things in the world that you don't even think of have boundaries and constraints that just exist Mm -hmm. and you don't think of them to be any like even obviously gender Mm -hmm. like you just don't think of it to be anything else because you grew up with it a certain way but like it can exist anyway when i looked up nollywood films there's one that's considered the like a the best one right now that's on netflix that i want to watch but i i want to get a taste for it of like it can be drama and comedy and horror um let me look it up Lionheart. but this one looks well shot she said most of them are shot on like not the best quality so they look more like soap opera kind of oh i see stuff anyways so nollywood films advertisements and nigerian fashion magazines they reference the country's revolutionary history and complex post-colonial present the deeply personal universe she depicts is neither Nigeria nor America, she is quick to point out, but some other space that she and any immigrant occupies. Indureka spends three months about making a painting, meticulously assembling it image by image. Her drawings usually begin with the photograph she takes of herself and her husband standing in for others. And then from there, she invents as she goes, changing out the faces so that while rendered realistically, the resulting tableau, quote, is a fiction that could be true. She said, I want the viewer to make that journey with me as they look through the work by making the shifts. So you're looking at a photograph of Nigeria from the 1980s and you shift a little bit and you're looking at a flat painting that speaks to a pop vernacular and you shift a little bit and you might be looking at a portrait that speaks to northern renaissance painting and then you move a little bit and you're in my brooklyn apartment i also want people to feel like the door is open and they are walking by a scene into someone else's life because that really is what i'm doing is mining my life to tell a story that is global but really wanting people to feel like they're getting a glimpse into my world I think this is where you maybe you should try to describe a little bit what her work looks like because it makes sense to me because I've seen it but okay so her work there's both still life scenes um like empty rooms and there's also scenes of like she said family gatherings or intimate moments between her and Justin so the base layer are something called acetone transfers she like patterns them they're small images that she transfers onto the paper 
And so that can be like the base for a wall and the floor and her clothing or things like that. So so if you're looking at it, it's an image of something. But then if you but each thing in the image is made up of many images. Mm-hmm. If you look close. Yeah, so like the walls or the clothing are are like gridded smaller images that are like historical images, fashion magazine images, personal images, things like that. And she had a rule for how they're layered, like how they're Ooh, put on. Really? Yeah, so no two images could be next to each other and no images next to each other could be oriented the same direction. So you had to rotate. So an image would be top, then to the right, then to the bottom, then to the left. Like they couldn't, two images next to each other could not be facing the same direction. The same direction. Gotcha. So then you do all the acetone transfers and then other areas are taped off and then you do like flat rolled painting on the sections. And sometimes it's completely flat and sometimes it's like, a flat color wash on the image, like the acetone transfer image to -hmm. give it like a slight tonal difference. Then there's also portrait fabrics. So these fabrics that are also have images and patterns on them, that's actual fabric that's collaged on the paper. Then there's colored pencil work, the hand painting work. If you're like painting in textures on like clothing, things like that. And then Injadeka does all of the figures and clothing and objects that she wants to paint in, you know, her style. Like rendering. That only takes her three months? <laughs> I feel like that would take me three years. Yeah, it's a lot. It seems like when you think about it, it seems like it'd be so fragmented. You know, there's this rendered painting and then flat painting and then collage. And it seems like it'd be all over the place. But it is so well balanced in how it's used. It's it's just stunning. So cool. It also just seems fun. Rather than pick a single medium, Injadeka uses a combination of techniques. She said, I wanted to make the work in a way that samples the different languages of image making. Painting, drawing, photography, printmaking, collage. It sounds so fun. So she said, painting is something I could do for hours and lose track of time. You're so engaged intellectually, even in those moments where you're just sitting and staring at the work. There's this beautiful union of your brain being on high alert and working through it. Like there's this complicated chess game going on in your head and how to resolve a work and you're drawing and making decisions or painting. And with each move you make with the painting, the equation is always changing. I think there are more and more people in life, as people are moving around for various reasons, who live in simultaneous spaces at the same time, and with my work, I'm trying to get to that. This feeling of multiple spaces that exist together, and you kind of slip in and out from one to the other. It's about talking of people who live or inhabit liminal spaces, and the liminal space I'm using is one that I know because I've experienced it, which is my life. Yeah, she really does have like a lot of layers Mm -hmm. to her identity. So it definitely makes sense. She said, a lot of my art training happened at a painting academy, the one in Philadelphia. You paint and draw from life and cast from morning to night every day. So that is the tradition I came out of. And it's a tradition that comes down from European figurative painting. But I'm trying to take this tradition and let something else grow out of it, invent from it and transform it. Right as I was beginning to study art, there was a lot of buzz about painting being dead. I know sometimes people might find it stifling to be working in a tradition that is so rich, but I love it 
because it's fertile ground to mine from, to look at, to borrow from? How do I take this tradition and alter it so I can use it to talk about somewhere else? This is where we're going to start getting into her imagery and sourcing. She says, I work with my family. I show up a lot in my work. My husband, my siblings, parents, and every once in a while, aunts and uncles. And the reason my family is important is it's a way to get me really into the work, really invested in it. I'll send you the link in this chat. Yeah, watch this one. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. I mourn the loss of printed photos and photo albums mm-hmm. and um, outtakes. Just the fact that we can we take photos and we like immediately Digitally. edit. We can choose yeah. like the best ones versus these like moments that are now throwaway moments, but back in the day become special, cherished moments. And yeah, that and we don't um we take a lot of photos mm-hmm. because because we don't have to just take one and so we just have like one thousand yeah. of one photo and we can choose whichever one we want. It's just And then the myth disappears too. It's not like this mo- this moment that then triggers this memory because we've been documenting everything. So and then like the memories don't get to expand in the way that they've used to into storytelling because everything's like, oh, I have a video of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And we don't print them and put them in a book that's so special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's very cute. So there's this single photo album, which I don't know if we can post. A, I don't know if that violates terms. If we can post like a clip of the Tate video of her talk, like talking about it but oh, mm-hmm. um she has a single photo album and it has every photograph her family has taken um from when her parents got married until she moved to america in the late 90s early 2000s six children over 20 years is in this single album and she says this is probably my family's most valued possession figures in the work are based on my family my life my husband shows up in the work a lot My siblings have been showing up in a series. I'm from Nigeria, which is a hybrid country. We used to be a British colony, and even though we are no longer a British colony, there is still evidence of the British presence in our culture. My husband is a Caucasian American from Texas, and a huge fraction of my work features my husband because the overarching theme in the work is this point of union between two cultures. There's this one piece here called Wedding Portrait, you can see like Injadeka is the, the focal point and she's kneeling down and holding a glass cup and you can see a man sitting in like a reclinable chair and it's Justin. He's the only man in the room with light skin and then there's figures all around um, which appear to be, you know, like family members or friends, things like that that are more, some are faceless and there's... You can't see Justin's face. He's blocked by... Yeah. It's just his hand and his legs. Yeah, the top part of his body's blocked from someone closer in the, the foreground. She said, In this piece, Wedding Portrait, what you're looking at is a recreation of what happens in a Nigerian traditional wedding. The girl, based on me, is kneeling in front of her soon-to-be husband, giving him a cup of palm wine, which is the moment of marriage in an Igbo traditional wedding ceremony. The bride gets a cup of palm wine and she has to run around looking for the man she has picked. And when you find him, you kneel in front of him and you offer him the palm wine. And if he accepts it, you're married. 
that image is something that comes in a lot of my work because I think it is a contact zone in my life. The moment where my Nigerianness and my Americanness collided. They like hide the guy from you? Why do you have to run around looking for him? <laughs> you gotta work for it. <laughs> They're like blocking him. No, nope. you can't nope. see him. You can't see him. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Find him. Um, she said, uh-huh. I didn't get a portrait fabric. I didn't get one done for my wedding. And since I can invent anything I want, I decided to imagine that I did have a portrait fabric. And there's this little joke in it. I have it as Inkem marries Oibo man. So it's a joke for people who know the language because Oibo man is a white man. Just the decision to marry him became what would take me to America. And if the work is about negotiating these dual ideas of home, then he became very important in it. So in the wedding portrait, you see back up at the top, you see kind of on her lower back, that image of her and Justin. That's the her made up wedding or her made up portrait fabric. And then on the blue trim is where it says... Mary's white man. If you zoom in close, in chem weds, is Lebo it, man. Is it actually them? Oh yeah. So the portrait fabrics are they're actual fabrics that people get made with like their images on it, and then there's different textures in the background, but you can add text in your photo and things like that. Was that her mom? Yeah. And Jadeka said, another thing that is important in the studio is my bag of portrait fabrics. I've collected these for years. This is from my brother's wedding. This is from my mom's senatorial campaign. It seems really in line with what I think of in my practice, which is those places where people expand on inherited traditions. This bag, which is the bag that she kept all of her portrait fabrics in, this bag is very precious to me. I will grab it if there was a studio fire. Mm-hmm. Then this one, it's called Garden Thriving from 2016. A number of Injadeka's paintings portray tender moments between her and her American husband. The two were married in both a church and village wedding in Nigeria in 2009, following a campaign by the artist to get her father accustomed to the idea. When a Nigerian woman marries out of her culture, there is a feeling that she has turned her back on her people. I wanted to make clear in the work that I love Nigeria. I love my husband. I don't have to choose. So that one, it's just Injadeka sitting in Justin's lap at their like dining room. Interesting that it's a, is it a diptych or Mm -hmm. is that just, oh, No, it's a diptych. So the top one is just the detail of the right panel and then below put in the diptych. Interesting that one whole piece is just like a still life, just of the, their kitchen or whatever. Yeah. Here's this next piece. It's called Ikeya, 2016. Um, And it's well, a character who is identified as, you know, Injadeka. And then Justin kneeling on the ground, holding her on the couch. Yeah, kneeling on the floor. She's on the couch, and but he's like holding his body is on her and she's sitting on the couch. He's resting his head like on her shoulder. So the floor and the wall and the the certain parts of the couch are all image transfers. And then there's like a rug and the coffee table and stuff with different items on it. And she always talks about like certain things really nodding to Nigerianness, like certain tea sets and things like that that are very much of like Nigerian people would be able to pick up on that and be like, oh yeah, that's in everyone's household. Yeah. So in 
Ikea 2016, the artist sits on a sofa while her husband kneels. I always do this. <laughs> I do the same thing where I'm like, I, I purposefully described it yeah. right after this. Their uh, limbs, a collage of images surrounded by Nollywood film posters and bring back our girls slogans, a reference to the 2014 kidnapping of schoolgirls by Boko Haram. Down below, there's another one of her sitting mm. in a chair and Justin kind of coming from behind and leaning over and kissing her while like family members or friends are standing and sitting around the table as well. That lace on the, the, yeah, the doilies. Like, crocheted. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In the diptych, I always face you even when it seems otherwise from 2012. The artist is seated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't even. Stop. Um, or erase one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Editing. So... You know, like I said, they're sitting there, they're kissing. And um, while ilafu, a Nigerian suffix for lost, appears on the other edge of the picture. So if you see in the on the left panel on blue, Mm -hmm. it says ilafu. And rather than cultural and historical images in this one, like what the transfers are made up of, usually they're fashion magazines or music album art or things like that, political stuff. She said this one is more, she sees it more as a chronological piece. So it's photos taken from, well, she said, I think this image was of her brother's wedding. It's photos taken from 2004 to 2009 and then images from her childhood. So from the 80s and 90s. And she sees it as her going back in time and history and in heritage, making it, trying to find like what is the essence of Ebonus. So it's very much about her history. She said, The reason why I decided to work with pictures from back home was because I felt I really wasn't seeing images of a country I recognized once I had lived in the United States for a long time. I started working with different languages of image making. That's why I used transfers, the little photographs in the work, and drawings and paintings and collage and photography. So really trying to take the little set of tools I have and expand them as much as I can. Does she reuse a lot of images? Yes. Yeah, yeah, all the time. If you see multiple pieces in a show ever, there's a lot of images that are you'll really recognize. And they, they repeat within the same work, too. They just can't be oh, close together. She talks about using plants a lot, too. So here's two examples. Sometimes plants are basically the subject of a painting, and then there's transfers within them. So you see, like, in the plant silhouette, there's, like, faces in them. And then other times plants are in the background of work and like sometimes take up whole walls in the diptych of the kitchen and her and Justin. The whole background was plants and this one's just like a rubber plant behind these two figures. So it's really lovely. So she says, I'll also look for things like plants. I've been doing a combination of plants that I found in Los Angeles, but also plants that I found in Nigeria. So you have this garden that really is nonsensical as well. So the first layer is an India rubber plant. And then there's the banana plants. I love that it makes sense. You can see both plants, but you're not quite sure what you're looking at because you're simultaneously looking at these different things at once. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the transfers and references. So she says... 
Within the works, I have transfers of smaller images, and there are some images that recur in the number of works. Do you know I had to look up the difference between recur and reoccur? Oh, what's the difference? Recur is consistently recurring, where reoccur is like a single time it happens again. Oh, that's so interesting. Right? I had no idea. Neither did I. So there are some images that recur in a number of my works. There are layers of meaning you can get out of it, depending on if you have access to background information or things like that. Being a Nigerian woman who was also American at the same time felt like a very fascinating space, and it was a space I knew I wasn't the only one who inhabited. I wanted to contribute to the new crop of people who were really talking about that space or trying to explore that space, not just in art, in literature, in music, in fashion. Getting into her references, which are, this is where I was telling you I could do an entire side episode just on the references and things she's looking at. It's so interesting. So she says, I use images of pop culture almost as a way to trace changes in the country over time because the Nigeria I grew up in is not the Nigeria I left. And it's definitely not the Nigeria that is there now. It's a very vibrant space that is active, and it's always changing. So there's one album that she prints by Prince Nico Mbarga. Oh, Sweet Mother. It's the most like popular song in Nigeria. Anyone who grew up there, if they hear this song, they like immediately get thrown back in time, I guess. Sweet so, Mother? Yeah, it's called Sweet Mother. There's. I have all these links if you want to go and listen to them at any point. Then there's mm-hmm. a a guy called Two-Face Edibia, but they just refer to him as Two-Face, I think. And he sang mm-hmm. the song African Queen. And I remember her playing this in the studio all of the time. So there's references to him. I'd be so embarrassed to have studio assistants and have them hear my music. <laughs> like how often I play the same music all the time. And then there's also, she's pulling from like, musicians, Nollywood actress images, Nollywood DVD covers, fashion magazines, hair, style magazines, all of that. So all of these are, she quotes, signifiers of place, signifiers of class, signifiers of time. And to that, I look to fashion, jewelry, hair, landscape, architecture. And one of the things I have really been pushing recently is hair and what a hairstyle says about my character or what class the character belongs to. She also talks a lot about Achebe's book, Things Fall Apart. Do you remember reading that in high school? Yeah, I do. So even in the podcast with MoMA, I remember her spending a lot of time talking about him as a writer because he was one of the, I think, the first people who really spoke about like a Nigerian experience um, Mm -hmm. with widespread acknowledgement. Yeah. Um, And then there's this amazing ted talk i couldn't find where she brought it up last night i was like trying to search everywhere but there's such a good ted talk i posted on facebook before i deleted my facebook called the danger of a single story and it's about this woman who she's a novelist and she talks about growing up the same place that injadeka is from the danger of the single story on like she talks about when she was a child reading these british books and when she would start writing stuff her characters would all of a sudden 
be drinking ginger beer because the British mm-hmm. kids, you know, in those books were drinking ginger beer and they talked about the weather and she was talking about being told these things even though they weren't her experience and she was like i remember longing to taste what ginger beer was because she'd heard about this all growing up but she never knew what ginger beer was and then when she finally left and went to college people hearing that she's from africa or nigeria specifically but people are morons and think africa is a country um and uh (laughs) we are only are getting a single story of what Africa is. And then she was writing a novel and she like went to submit it. And the guy said something like, this isn't African enough or something like that. And she was like, like, this is my, (laughs) this is my experience. But it wasn't the Africa that he had in his mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyways, the whole TED talk is so interesting about how we need a variety of stories because of. This is why I shouldn't have read Harry Potter because I just long (laughs) to have that experience and drink a whatever those beers are called. Butter beer. Butter beer. Yeah. How could you not? You're like the ultimate. But it doesn't exist. (laughs) I know. Um, so that TED talk is super good. I really recommend it for everyone to listen to. I will post, uh, some snippets of it and links to it. Okay. Um, so like fashion stuff, she pulls a lot from this designer Jewel by Lisa and Alter Ego. And then she talks a lot, which is so interesting about Vlisco and using Vlisco patterns. So Vlisco is a Holland-based fabric company, but they ship to Africa. And these are the patterns that are commonly considered African fabrics, like bright pattern materials, but it's Mm -hmm. actually a Dutch company. Weird. It's really So she pulls a lot. It's so cool though. I know. Look at this girl on the right. I love that outfit. It looks like they are her paintings. I mean, obviously that's where she's pulling from, but it's like so pattern yeah and oh i love it gorgeous that yeah that one on the right also this woman well the guys too with the purple pants mm-hmm. but so she pulls a lot from Vlisco, and i think just being interested in again fabric as identity but that not even being authentic you know in the sense yeah. that like it's not african or nigerian it's something that's being sold to them C- colonization being or being going so far back that you don't even know that that becomes part of who you are as well. Um, and then looking at photographers like Seydou Kita, who is Malian, and Malik Sabide, who's also from Mali. Um, and then these both of these images are from the 70s. And here's, you can see these references. If you go down, there's the girl dancing. And then in the background on the right, the other couple dancing. And then directly below is the painting where she inputs those figures into her work so cool right which i found appropriation well nods but yes i mean um i feel like you would totally get like a cease and desist though like at this point in life everyone is so intense about that you know what i mean don't you feel like with the internet and all the sharing like people are if this photographer was on Instagram and saw that she made this piece, mm-hmm. don't you think they'd be like, cease and desist? Possibly. I Stop think using my images. If there, if it wasn't for a reason, but like this is famous photographer from Mali and like using those images as a nod to like that place, not just because, oh, this couple looks cute and I want to paint them, but like it's a signifier to that 
work and that artist and that means something and i think that's no i absolutely agree with that i'm just saying nowadays on the internet if this person yeah no no i'm saying like even now like i think if there's a reason for it like that then the photographer would be understanding versus an artist just wanting to use it because it looks cool or something you know possibly i just feel like the attitude around all of that kind of stuff has changed I don't like know. I think if it's people, if it's not just like an Instagram photographer, but a real photographer, and it's an artist speaking to another artist, yeah, I think that there is an understanding. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I saw these photos on I think it was like History's Instagram, and I was like, oh, that looks just like the work. And so <laughs> I like screenshot it and then found the work. Then I saw her talk about it in a lecture, but I ended up connecting it and it would being like a fun little Easter egg, you know? That's so cool. But about these works, they're basically just black and white dancing social scenes from the 70s in Mali. And she said, so the photographer Sabide is really able to capture the excitement of this post-independence generation and the hope of the time. But he's also able to really put his finger on the desire of the people to present themselves as glamorous and cosmopolitan this need to be connected to a global community. What I really like him for is his social images, images of people at parties, people dancing, because he really captures the joy of this generation after they got independence. The painting that I'm referencing of Injadecas that uses these photographs as people in the background is called When the Going is Smooth and Good from 2017. And you see in the background of the window, there's like plants in the background still. Lots of consistency in her and Justin dancing in the foreground. I love the photos on the wall that are just photos too. Yeah. Ooh, these photos are so cool. Just wait. So another huge reference is Daniel Tamagni. He wrote a book, which I think you should totally buy, called Gentlemen of Bakongo. And the singer Solange. Mm Mm-hmm. She did a video based off this book and these people, and I included the Vimeo that we can watch too. Injadeka said, Gentlemen of Bokongo are these guys in this particular area that aim to reflect the world outside them. So they're wearing outfits that come from Scotland. They're dressing up in ways that are very Parisian or British. So that's a book that I love and look at, but really also thinking of, of what I mentioned earlier of how mimicry can be subversive. So... I chose, like, these are some of the photographs from the book. They're, so They're just cool. super patterned and, like, bow ties and plaid shirts and bright, colorful pants. And it's just very fun, bright outfits. Against this, like, I mean, at least in this one photo. Well, I guess the bottom one, too. Against this, like, um, almost crumbling, in some instances, background of the place that they're in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's also like super muted. So open the Solange video. It's called Losing You. Um Solange is f- f- fucking perfect. Oh my god. The at a minute 18, that little like step 18. dance. Ugh. We're going to stop doing this podcast and we're just going to watch this video for f- two more hours. This should be our behind the scenes clip of just us <laughs> dancing. Oh my god, truly. <laughs> anyway so this obviously the whole style is based on the bakongo gentleman so Mm, all of her suits so then 
the the sort of characters within her work. She says, in the characters I create, I try to create this individual that is multifaceted. So she might have a hairstyle that speaks to a very rural life, but then she might be wearing a dress that speaks to cosmopolitan life in Lagos. Mm. And she's in a setting that speaks to high modern architecture in New York. Or then there's an old school TV that is playing Nigerian news from the 80s. So once people really begin to pull the space apart on what's happening, there is this feeling of being unable to put together the character or the space in a clearly defined box because it doesn't exist. That's cool. Yeah. How does she get those photos to be the correct perspective? Does she do it in Photoshop and then print Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So it's Photoshopped and then it's just a single page And then once it's glued on, then you do like a, you tape it off and then do like a blue wash over it. Oh, it's because TV's like the screen aspect of it. That's cool. Yeah. This one, this next one of the three kids, this is Mm. possibly my favorite piece. It's so cool looking. I really like the colors and the, the old school technology and the little squiggle cables on the top, right? Like everything, it just really stands out as something I really like. It's also, yeah, your color palette. Mm-hmm. I, um, his onesie or what his clothes, I love how it's like s- graphically rendered. Yep. Like not actually like their faces, but just like some wrinkles are like a certain yeah. color. But if you look at even the way she paints faces, zoom in and look at the face. It's all very. Oh, it is the same or similar. Yeah. It's very like just more angular colors. painting, you know? Mm-hmm. that's interesting from far away it does not look that way so this one's called the beautiful ones series number nine from 2018 the beauty mm-hmm. ones the beautiful ones series is comprised of portraits of nigerian children derived from personal photographs and images taken during the artist's frequent visits to nigeria the title of the series comes from a book by a Ghanaian writer titled the beautiful ones are not yet born she also considers it originally like a wink to Diego Velasquez and his portraits. My first favorite painting was this one that I saw, the girl in mm-hmm. her dress it's called really nice. Beautiful Ones 4 from 2015. The image itself is of her sister during her first Holy Communion. It's so, it's another layer of that thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you, no. but it's another layer of that thing that we're talking about that's so fucking weird Mm -hmm. is that everyone is catholic somehow like all colonized areas have this deep connection to catholicism which is not even their native beliefs and it's just so strange like in mexico like everyone is catholic Mm -hmm. but it's not theirs It's, it's just weird yeah so weird so she's in this white dress with a veil and white socks and shoes and the background, like the wall and the shadows are image transfers. Oh, the shadows. And then the floor oh. is a light pink. And then the bench is a, like a muted green. And then there's like a dark green window shutter. And then I guess what would be, I don't know, like a other doorway or something is like a maroon. And then there's a teal blue doll that's on the bench next to her. Yeah, like a plasticky. Yeah. The images of her sister at a young age during her first Holy Communion. And the blue doll is called a clonette doll. And Injadeka says, we played with it when I was growing up. But these dolls are designed and produced in Ghana for consumption by West African children. 
but it's based on the traditional wooden Aquapa dolls. So it's Ghanaians trying to do a remake of their traditional wooden dolls, but it's done in plastic. It's a little Caucasian girl carrying a teddy bear and flowers, or sometimes a bunny. Things that are not really part of our experience growing up in Nigeria and Ghana and other West African countries, but just continuing this back and forth, it's now a big collector's item for designers in Europe. That's so weird. You know what this reminds me of is the, well, that's funny. It's Ghanaian. But is... um. With L on a Sui, mm-hmm. it's the same idea where it was like this back and forth between they make, we make the alcohol, then they send it back there, and then the caps come back here, and then we send them. I mean, it's that same idea of like, you can't get away from the fact that all these countries were colonized by countries in Europe, and the embeddedness of these things is so deep mm-hmm. and just constantly reminding. It's, it can't be undone. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear her like unpack these something that seems so minor as like a plastic doll and like unpacking this loaded history. Do they have bunnies? Hmm? And bear like and bears? No, they don't. That's what she's saying. Yeah, she like ha- her experience they don't have teddy bears and stuffed bunnies and stuff like that. So um it's like a Caucasian child doll holding these very whiteness things that's then made for west african countries and then collected back in europe (laughs) i don't even know if you want to hear her accomplishments (laughs) no not really but i guess go ahead we should list all of her failures which would be none Um, yeah (laughs) she failed to be a doctor that's for damn sure (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, and then in literally everything else. Everything else. She was an artist in residence at the Studio Museum in Harlem, which honored her with the Joyce Alexander Wine Artist Prize. Mm-hmm. She received the Smithsonian American Art Museum's James Dickey Contemporary Art Prize, among other awards. In LA alone, her work is in the permanent collections of the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, the Museum of Contemporary Art, and the Hammer. In 2016, she was named the Financial Times' Woman of the Year. Oh. In 2017, Njadeka won the MacArthur Fellowship Genius Grant. Oh, she's a genius in as case well. Any of you Mark and her didn't know just... that by now, <laughs> yeah. she's a genius. Obviously. And she is the award to prove it. Akunili Crosby seems somewhat cautious about her success, including the $625,000 award from the MacArthur Foundation. I'm happy, she says of this moment in her career. Question mark. Question mark. I'm just so hard on myself, so critical of what I do, that it's tough to just have that full moment of relaxing and feeling all as well. She smiles yeah. shyly, glimpsing around the spare room. But yeah, I'm happy. I had no idea, none, she says of winning the award. She was in the car pulling up to her studio when the phone rang. Telemarketers, she thought, but she picked it up anyway. Even after the MacArthur Foundation identified itself, the good news didn't compute. She said, my brain was still playing catch up. I was in a fog. I wasn't screaming and laughing. I was just in a daze sitting in my car wondering if I was having a real experience or a dream and hallucination. 
what in the hell was the MacArthur Foundation doing just calling her? Like, I would be like, stop calling me. You're fake. Fake news. Get away from me. Stop calling. It doesn't make any sense. Send a, an email or like a, a college acceptance sized letter that's really fat that says, listen, this is real. You're just calling me on my cell phone? What are you, my best friend? Just start accepting all unknown calls expecting to get it. I would Jesus absolutely <laughs> get pulled into many scams. <laughs> um, that is so weird. So the MacArthur Award was something she'd always hoped would come, maybe in her 50s or 60s, saying, but it just... Like everyone else in the world. <laughs> but it was at the end of my list of hopes and dreams, she said breathy as if still stunned by the news i'm just excited to hibernate in my studio and experiment oh i'm so jealous i'm jealous of everything <laughs> oh just hibernate in my studio and experiment yeah. is my favorite sentence <laughs> oh it sounds so fun also yeah. i totally feel her i mean everyone could probably feel this way but no matter what happens in your life or at least for me mm-hmm. I've, i'm so hard on myself no matter what even if it's not on her level, clearly, to be able to just do anything like effect, uh, this like positive effect on someone else's life is mm-hmm. an accomplishment. And you just, it's so hard. We put ourselves down for everything. And mm-hmm. I especially can't like relax and enjoy any bit of good thing that I do. And I don't know if that's individualism in America or if it's just our generation or what it is but it's definitely i think specifically with women too we're always taught that we're not good enough it's like if you're working you're not a good enough mom if you're being a mom you're not doing good enough in society and then Mm -hmm. you're spread too thin and then you're too naggy and (laughs) yeah we're taught to please everybody Mm -hmm. with what we do and i think the roles of being a good daughter, good friend, good wife, mm-hmm. good mother, good, um, and then successful. And then our, the non-traditional roles of like wanting success truly. Mm-hmm. And all those things are really heavy on women in a way that, I mean, men have their own struggles that are different. They can't like emote mm-hmm. anything, but, yeah. um, but still that's just such a specific to be everything to everyone all the time is such a specific woman experience and then holding yourself together yeah, otherwise you're hysterical like, and then you totally get put into a mental institution yeah yeah exactly and then everyone calls us crazy yeah. it's like yeah you fucking made me crazy i had to deal with their shit all damn day long and her shit and his shit and that shit and i gotta cook dinner for you uh-uh like you just get yeah. overdone that 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 um Mm-mm, I just get so upset about that. The emotional baggage, that article, that really hit me. Have you read that article? Mm-hmm. That is so true. That's something that men don't understand. Yeah. I know just the little things. I know how much milk's left in the fridge. Yeah. And I know all that kind of like whose birthday it is. And yeah. they don't. Then on top of that, we feel guilt. I feel guilt all the time for not reaching out to my friends. Mm-hmm. And um, in some ways, that's also a thing. So yeah. It's crazy. Clearly, just uh, dealing with (laughs) partly that. What is this? So in 2018, she designed the mural that wrapped Mocha on Grand Avenue in LA. I get so excited. She was the second artist to to create a mural for the site under a new initiative by the museum. 
Injreke has been represented by Victoria Miro Gallery since 2016 and by David Zorner Gallery since 2018. And in 2016, demand for her work far outweighed supply because these take a long time to make, mm-hmm. which prompted her pieces to soar at auction. Oh my God. So basically, Good we idea. just need to yeah, need stop to making slow those. down. <laughs> I'm over here pumping things out. Uh-uh. That should be. Taken a long time. She became one of the artists featured in Nathaniel Kahn's 2018 documentary, The Price of Everything, where she discusses her career and attitude to her art market. It culminated with her painting, Drown, being sold at Sotheby's Contemporary Art Auction in November 2016 for $900,000. Holy. So she doesn't get that $900,000. No. $900,000? No. Bullshit. Bullshit. But it increases her worth to sell things later. That's true. So then this one, in March 2017, a work titled The Beautiful Ones, the first painting of five belonging to the series, was sold by a private collector for three million at Christie's in London. Oh my God. And then in 2018, she set a new auction record with the sale of her painting Bush Babies for nearly 3.5. Four million at Sotheby's Jeez. in New York. It's funny how it doesn't seem like that much more, but it's a lot more. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's only point four. I love in the two top leaves. There's the two figures' faces. Oh, I would if I had three point four million dollars. I would a hundred percent have this. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. Although, if you had to choose between uh, one of the ones like this and one of the ones like with the figure, which would you choose? I think I would want the ones, like the beautiful ones, number nine. I like yeah. that one a lot. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Okay. So she said about her auction life, quote, I don't stay up all night when I'm seven months pregnant so that my work can be auctioned. People expect me to be happy, but it put a spotlight on me in a way I don't like at all. I like operating quietly on my own in the background said every almost every artist ever institutional collections that own her work oh my are yale university art gallery the rubel family collection san francisco museum of modern art the pennsylvania academy of fine arts the studio museum in harlem the nasher museum of art at duke university tate modern seats mocha in cape town los angeles museum of art whitney museum of art Albright Knox Art Gallery, the Norton Museum of Art, Perez Art Museum in Miami, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Museum of Contemporary Art Los Angeles, Smithsonian National Museum of African Arts, and Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville. Is that Arkansas? Yeah. And, okay, scroll down. Look who she's buzzing <gasps> with. Of course. Do the Obamas own a piece? I don't know, but she's standing here posing with Michelle Obama. Oh, I'm going to, let's add us into this photo too. (laughs) She's everywhere. Like, we don't belong here. (laughs) Oh my God. So let me hear your thoughts. I know this one was a little bit less funny and comical. I think there's some good moments, but much more informative. No, it's, her work is incredible. I feel very inspired by it because, um, I've been wanting to collage more in general, just Mm -hmm. use photos and stuff. And um, it's just fun to see 
how everyone's brain works and how layered her stuff is physically and then how layered her identity and personal life is mm-hmm. um and how thoughtful she is and i absolutely think she's a genius and she deserves to get a phone call from macarthur a scam a scam macarthur call (laughs) telemarketers you know those macarthur genius award people just telemarketing to everybody i wonder how they phrase that hey Jadeka, guess what um just want to let you know that you're a genius and then she's probably like, okay, cool. Anyway, no, no, you're a genius. We've decided you're a genius. Okay, you gotta go. Money, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what could they have possibly said to make her stay on the phone? And she's like, don't hang up. And yeah, then- <laughs> <laughs> that's what telemarketers say. Don't hang up. <laughs> How would you would like to sound- make more money? <laughs> would you want to be a genius? I love everything about her. I love um, the portion where you went into all these tiny bit into each of her influences and the layers and the things that she uses and i can't wait to have them all written down but now i hope people go and actually not only look at the image she's creating but spend more time looking at the image transfers knowing that they're not there for any arbitrary purpose like right you know that's the fashion she's looking at and referencing and that's the the pots are there for the reasons the fashions there for the reasons the hair advertisements are there for a reason all of it and it should be equally acknowledged any good artist should be thinking about their work yeah that much so i would hope so since she's a genius that's it for me i want you to go track down her work and see it in person and let me oh oh something that i love that i forgot to mention tell me is she hangs her work in museums on those black little clippies fuck just like she does plastic black clippies (sighs) unless the museum gets it framed i love it go into a show and just like there's like 10 black clippies at the top just tacked into the wall oh my god that makes me so happy because i have so much anxiety over like how to how to hang work mm -hmm. what looks a certain way my six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars doesn't go to those frames no i'm just clipping I can't wait for their next episode. I can't wait till I get through all that research so I can tell you about Lorna. Ah, Lorna. Okay. Oh, another like collage person. Very excited. Goodbye. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>